Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grader, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. your boy Justin and welcome back to the Blackout Show presented to you by the Gian Grid. Uh, we got Gonzo on the mic. We got Ozzy Gian Jr. on the mic. Now Gonzo put in a formal request uh, before the show. He wanted us to tell us our first half, you know, our brief synopsis, whether it's positive or negative. Gonzo, I'm be completely honest with you. Uh, it's negative for me. The bullpen has been in shambles. Rick Hahn told me the money has been spent. That's where he put most of the purse is in the pen, and it's still the most sensitive part of the 40-man roster. Um, there is no lineage. There is no rhythm. There is no hierarchy. There's just nothing there. It's the land of misfit toys. And um, I used to be a Han bot on the Internet. I'm going to come clean. I used to be a Han bot. Um, used to carry water for Rick. I used to carry water for Rick Hahn. Um but now you get into a situation to where Jake Diekman is now fixed in Tampa. You got Craig Kimbrell winning reliever of the month in the National League. While I have to sit and watch Ronaldo Lopez face Bobichet, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And, oh, Hall of Fame Brandon Bell yesterday. So, Han, not only have you screwed up my chances as a White Sox fan for going to another parade, but now – my bullpen has eroded into Kenya Middleton being my favorite part of this team uh, on the mound after the sixth inning. So Gonzo, uh, to that point, it's been absolutely negative. I'm sick to my stomach every time Pedro Grafal walks out on the fucking field and raises his right or left arm, depending on who he thinks can put out the fire. So you're blaming the bullpen. By the way, that was the that was literally probably how everyone was talking like on the flight back from from the shooting of JFK. That was so sad, the way that you were just putting all those words together. I think it's BS because Ronaldo Lopez was one of the best pitchers in the White Sox last year. Mm. And all the White Sox fans were jumping up and down and talking extension. And the White Sox fans need to stop living in two-week increments. Okay, they live in two-week waves. Uh, this guy's the best player in baseball. Extend him. Two weeks go by. This guy's the worst player in baseball. My first half takeaway is the inconsistency. I'm going to say it right now because I know people want to hear about it. That, we dodged the bullets. The Guillens dodged the bullet. I, I have no idea how mentally, for his sanity of his health, 
Ozzy would have been with this team if he gotten the chance to manage them, if he had this record. There would have been so many blowups. He probably would have been fired already at this point um, because he would have said something to piss somebody off. But, man, very, very lucky that he did not get picked as a manager, even though the money would have been amazing because as it, everything that we were worried, we the, you create a positive list and a negative list, and the positive is always the money, and the negative is always the money because you got to pay more taxes. But the positive is always the money. But there was a list of a lot of positive things, you know, injuries, they can always get better, young team, good pitching coach, uh, growth. You know, it, there's a lot of unknowns, but a lot of talent. But the list of everything that could go wrong, man, it has gone wrong and to another level of going wrong. So I think it's just been a disappointment because I didn't think they were going to run away with the division, but they're playing even under below Tony La Russa's White Sox. So they're, they're playing, they're underperforming even from the, where I thought that they'd be at. They're extremely underperforming. And, and it hasn't been something that people are going to blame April. They, this team has not put a, a winning streak of five or six games. Like they're allergic to winning two, three in a row. They find ways to lose games, even when other teams give it to them. Uh, for example, a game last night, um, Lewis Robert has one of the best home runs I've seen in a long time, just because I like the way, what, how he looked at the bat. I love when guys taunt without having to flip the bat. I'm not a huge bat flipper guy, but he hit it and he did the Mike Piazza, like stared at it like, oh my, like I just smoked it. One of my favorite taunts, which is really cool. 450 feet, two runners on, you take the lead. 250 feet, 450 feet in quotations, Mark. I was more like 420. Yeah, NBC it was like Sports, 433. It was like 423 with some juice. Not a lot of guys hit it 450. That's Jim Tomey area right there. 450 is a lot. Uh, but White Sox fans are like, 450, oh, my God. And, and Chuck and my dad put the thing there, longest home run of the season. And White Sox fans are all going nuts. It's, it's all media stuff, guys. 430 maybe. But then he hits that awesome. They're still tweeting about it right now. Their manager didn't talk about it. The fans didn't talk about it. The fact that Lewis Robert came up with less than two outs with a runner on third base with a tying run on an amazing triple, by the way, of a Tim Anderson showing the flashes of – what Tim Anderson's potential really is. If I was scouting to trade Tim Anderson, I would have gotten a little excited there with a little Woody. Okay. Because when he turned it up and you saw that speed, you say legs healthy. He looked yeah. really, really good. He doesn't drive the run in. Doesn't hit the run. They're pitching him outside. They're basically telling him, don't take us deep, hit the ball the other way. He doesn't execute. And then no one talks about it. Is everyone still talking about the home run that happened freaking five in- innings ago? So that's been my that's my my problem with this team is the inconsistency, the fact that they can't put successes in a row, the lack of fundamentals. And man, if the people thought the Guillens talked a lot, this team talks so much on so many promises. This guy, this team is like the like the father who tells you he's gonna take you to go eat ice cream every weekend and he never shows up. Just breaking promises left and right. Legitly, from this moment, the moment of the first press conference till now, is just lies after lies after lies after lies after lies. Hey, OJ. No, I'm uh, saying that. I'm, hey, I'm, Rick Hahn told me uh, these boys going to go on a run this afternoon. No, I, again, he, he said. He, but, well, he That's just said he it again. Said. He said, we're going to do damage in October. And again, I'm not being mean. I'm, I'm literally re-quoting the person. But not just that. Like, they say Michael Kopech, oh, he might, he's not feeling good. It's just fatigue. And then you find out he's on the IL because he's hurt. Oh, Moncada is just a couple days. The guy's got a freaking herniated back. Can't play. It's been almost 35 a plus month. days. It's been a month. 
So like that lack of honesty of with with just the team themselves, there's none of that. You come out two days ago and say, oh, we're not going to be sellers. We'll, we'll win a couple games or win the run. And you're like, again, we're not baseball experts. We all have like our expertise, but we're not dumb. Like White Sox fans, as much fun of that as they make of them, you know, they, they have weird takes sometimes, but they're not dumb. You watch the game. You look at the divisions and you say, wait a minute. I don't need to be an expert, a general manager or a manager. I just, you literally just watch the same game. So that's where I've been mad of like just the storyline. If you look at the storyline, the White Sox storyline versus like the St. Louis Cardinals, they're like, we suck. Like we, this is the worst season ever assembled. Because dude, when you look at the, the, the team on paper, again, it's a lot of potential. Andrew Vaughn, who's at, to this point, if we're going to talk about the positives, has played pretty well. Um, you know, you, you've had flashes of Jake Berger. When he, I think he's just a power hitter. He's put numbers up. Uh, the guys that have been healthy, even Tim Anderson, people think he sucks. He hasn't been great. Ben Attendee leading off has been awesome. You see uh, Pantera's by on his way to have his best career year ever. You see, you know, things together. You see Lance Lynn be the worst pitcher in baseball. You see Lance Lynn be the best pitcher in baseball. So I think you can work with that as a team because you're not always going to be good. You're not always going to be bad, but they just can't do it a couple of days in a row. And that's something that in the first half, I'm disappointed. And again, even if they go on a run, man, in the second half and they, and they get into the playoffs, unless they win the World Series, I think that they might be in a situation where the following year you're in a position where your team is not as good as it was. And then you start getting into this world. We're currently active. you got Anaheim, seven seasons without a winning record. Kansas City at six, Detroit at six, Tigers at six. And then you go in the all-time, you see Boston, 15 years, Baltimore, 14 years, Seattle, 14 years. When teams make bad decisions at one point in, in their in their history, you it's can have cost multiple, you a decade. It, it could cost, cost you a decade. And you think it's boring right now? You think it's going to be boring and hard to watch the blackout show and the White Sox right now because we're being negative? Imagine watching every single year the stupid draft that's coming up where we're thinking about futuristic players. They're not going to be up. Like They're going to be up when my daughter's like in middle school. And she's like in first grade right now. Like it, it, it's That's just sad. Like there's nothing happening here. It's just, dude, we're looking at Montgomery. I'm, I, you, I'm catching myself going and looking at Montgomery highlights to see if the guy's actually going to be good or not. That's that's where I think I don't want to go. That's why they need to figure it out, make some moves. Because here's the thing: before I head it off to Gonzo, even with them making moves, this team is going to win the same amount of games with the guys they trade away or without the guys they trade away. I still think that this team wins at most five games over 500 if they go on a crazy run. And I can still think they can go on that run, even if they trade guys away. Because, because they, the, the guys are going to trade away are not always that consistent. Graveman, uh, Kelly, you know, Ronaldo, maybe one of the starting pitchers. Those guys haven't been perfect the whole year. So I think if you take them away, they still have the same record. In a trade, I mean, for the second half. Yeah, OJ, so I'm going to take a step back because before the season started, I thought this team was going to win 89 to 90 games. A month into the season, that went from that to me going, wow, this team probably will not even win the division in a terrible division. And that's just going from Han saying, we're going to, you know, don't talk to me until we're in the parade to this moment. It just is very disturbing. So when I pop this question of what is your first half takeaway, I just want to put that. And granted, I know everyone on Twitter right now is talking about Luis Robert Jr., which rightfully so. 
um, with his performance as of the past month, by all means, go on it. But my first half takeaway for this season is the maturation of Dylan Cease um, getting to that third pitch because I've seen it in glimpses last year of him going to that knuckle curve and change up because for the most part, he's been sticking to two pitches for the last two years, gaining 225 strikeouts in each of those last two seasons. And I knew for him to become that pitcher of elite status to get to that next step for himself, I want to see him gain a third pitch to get hitters off of their toes. Um, Cause he, with the run on his fastball, the last two seasons, it was pretty dismal, you know, dismal. So the fact that in this season, not only has he gained traction on that, the run value on his fastball, but when his slider wasn't working, he was, he started the season with a knuckle curve that with a whiff rate that was off the charts that he was there. He's there with that third pitch. And ever since the last month, which is like eight starts now, he's that ERA's down to just at four. That's going to keep dropping of where he's at right now. And the only thing I want to see from here with him getting that third pitch is really being more effective in that counts and going an extra inning into his outings into the sixth. And I think he's right there. He's one of the best arms in the game. And um, I'm excited. The arrow is pointing up and all I want to see out of this core is guys proving themselves, not only after one season, this is now Cease's third year of proving that talent. And uh, I want to see not only him, but, you know, Robert continue on his pathway into a full season. And this is where potential meets proven talent. And this is what I want to see with guys who should be staying like Cease, like Vaughn, like Robert, these are those talents that are starting to prove themselves and I'm here for it. And that's just something I couldn't say in the past couple of years of guys being able to prove their talents and I'm excited for what is to come. So uh, like as far as, okay, let's just take Andrew Vaughn. Uh, how close do you think he he's gotten to his ceiling? Let's just say this year right now take his numbers and his production. Do you think he's gotten closer to his ceiling or do you think he, he, this is a, a down year for a guy of his talent and of his, of his bad work? This is something that's interesting. Cause when you've been, it's really has stunned his development too, but when you've been playing him out of position, he hasn't had a positive war since being in the, being in the major leagues. And we've seen him, Last season, for example, for the first, what, five months of the year, his batting average was at 300, but the power wasn't there. And now he's showing some pop, but the contact has brought that batting average down. That started to dip. So, but however, the war is now above one because he's actually at his natural position playing solid defense. So for me, I want to start seeing, I think that with the contact that he naturally makes, I think the power numbers will be there. I just want to see him making more contact um and staying true to himself i know we you know said a month or two ago we don't know if he's pulling it to pull it or what the you know heading coaches are telling him but for going forward here i'm excited that now he, that he is actually at his natural position that the war is going to be there i'm just excited to see where um those f- numbers finalize that because i know justin 
we're like halfway there and he already he's got 12 home runs 52 51 ribbies around there so he's on his way to be you know putting up numbers of it you know around 100 ribbies and probably the home runs is going to be between 20 to 25 ish so i think that's um good numbers as far as getting back to that position that he was meant to be at I just think that you, uh, with with Vaughn, it's been it's been kind of crazy because the quality of contact has hasn't been there this year. That's why the batting average is so low. I feel like he's left a lot of RBI on the table, but the team as a whole is terrible with runners in scoring position. Not saying that Vaughn is terrible, but I'm saying there could be improvement there. I feel like he struck out in situations where like even two years ago, his rookie season, he wasn't striking out. And I feel like he's turning the, the barrel, the barrel of the, the bat over and trying to, he's trying to yank everything and get that OPS and that slug of drive everything into the gap. When we were just talking about Luis Robert, when a single to right field is just as productive as that, that RBI double in the gap with, with guys on and already in scoring position. So I just feel like um, some of his outs, have been wasted like a lot more unproductive outs this year than than last year. Look at Junior's eyebrows raised with you seen them. You seen them eyebrow. You seen them eyebrows right there. <laughs> oh, productive but, outs. I, I, you know what? I don't expect Andrew Vaughn to hit thirty home runs this year. I think that he, I think he, he might be in the, in the in the wheelhouse for twenty to twenty five. I like his doubles to increase, but if I'm thinking why the White Sox have struggled this first half, I'm not thinking Andrew Vaughn. I really am not. Mm-hmm. I'm really am not. He's played great first base. Um, if I if I'm gonna be here and tell you that the White Sox missed Jose Abreu in the first half of the season, I'd be full of shit. Honestly, because I don't think that he would have made a difference this year. Again, he's he's a great player and he's done, but I don't think I don't think the issue is like an Andrew Vaughn issue at first base. I think that he's done decent enough to be there. And I think those those numbers are going to develop. But I don't think he's gonna be a 50 home run hitting guy. I think 20 to 25 and and again, average being better, playing better defense. Again, adding more productive outs. I think the RBIs, I don't have the stats here. Maybe the nerds out there can help me out. But like, how many times did Andrew Vaughn come up with like runner at, at third base, drive the run in? How many times at second base, move the runner over when be able to score? But when I'm thinking Andrew Vaughn, I'm not thinking this is the reason why the White Sox have sucked in this first right. half. I think what you said there, Jay, is important because we got to think like not only is his numbers – slightly down but even robert with those power numbers he's putting up he's got 25 ribbies and only what 46 ribbies 25 homers 46 ribbies about and right like even if you look at a guy in right field like jermaine die when he was putting up high home run numbers the lowest his production was at was around 76 ribbies as the low end so that means guy you know if he ends around there, I'd be disappointed because, like you said, guys just aren't getting in the scoring position, getting on base, let alone, but getting into scoring position for those productive outs. Like what he could have done last night, he has a big home run, and then next thing you know, you guy, you know, Timmy gets that triple, he's stranded at third base because Robert didn't move, get that productive out to, to score him. So it's frustrating, but again, um, it's something that they definitely that their fall needs to harp on here in the second half and to really score with these guys getting on base. You know what? Since you want to open up a can of grip fall, let's let's get right to it. This is Grip Fall's ground. You know, 
I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a, you know, on a on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, on you know, on whatever our team needs at this particular moment. And this is Griffal's grounds. And guys, um, let's face it. Yes, or this was. Yeah, yesterday you put Kelly in in a high leverage situation after he blows up a game in Oakland. And sure enough, he does it again right after uh, Robert gives us a lead. Um, what is our thoughts on Pedro so far in the first half? And OJ, I, wanna, I want you to start this off because um, I think your analysis Nasty. Nasty should be work. spot on for a first half for a rookie manager. You know what? I think that Pedro, I was expecting more of Pedro in the first half, to be honest with you. I think that Pedro's highlight, and I love the intro when he says, I'm not scared of doing this and I'm not scared of doing that. By the way, best post-game analysis of anyone of recapping the game. If you haven't watched the game, watch Pedro's post-game. They'll recap it for you both offensive and defensive and not answer anything, but getting serious. Now I got to give him credit. I think the best movies made all year was the Pantera snap that I predicted. That was going to be the first guy he snapped on. You were on. Um, and it's funny because he's, it's the least thing that he brags about, but when he snapped on Pantera, it woke him up and don't know why we haven't seen more of that because that's been a huge factor for him. That's his best player right there. He likes to get too cute. I think he wants the players to like him. That's an issue off the field again. But his, his in-game managerial skills, here's some things that I critique. You said that this was going to be a fundamentally sound team. Not fundamental. That's on your whole staff. But again, that could be on the players even though you want to execute. These are things that you control. You said this team, this lineup was going to be analytical. I don't care who's making the lineup, if it's Kenny, if it's Rick, if it's Jerry, if it's Southpaw, if it's Rick Hahn, if it's Rick Renteria, if it's Pedro Grafal, if it's a combination of all of them. There's no way in that lineup that you would have lasted this long with the current lineup that you're running. Okay? It took him way too long to be able to make that move. And even the day before he made the move, he said he would never make the move. Okay? So that puts you in predicaments of, oh, my God, where I play this? Not playing Jake Berger enough. So playing time on players has been iffy at times, picking certain guys, not playing minor league guys that just got called up, falling in love with players, falling in love with guys out of the bullpen um, has been an issue. But I think he's been horrible at managing the bullpen, meaning he's always seems to bring in the wrong guy. Again, I don't know what analytics are looking at. Managing is not easy, but not getting help from the bullpen on that end. The other one that I critique is the other day in Oakland, this might be a little bit deep to most fans out there. He was pinch hitting for guys and making defensive replacements in a game that's less than three runs with the opportunity for those guys to come up and hit again. You can't go into the game, even with the new runner on second rule, and not have somebody to run for somebody or somebody to be a pinch hitter. And he got lucky because of Carlos Perez hit, got the triple or the double that he hit off from Savala, but he had nobody left on the bench. Like, if anybody would have gotten hurt or something, he would have been hooked. a pitcher. He was hooked. So that's really bad because you're not following the rules of, like, oh, I got to keep some guys on. So that that happens to him a lot. 
uh, and people don't realize it when he goes in with a depleted bench. And he's been very lucky that has not come back and gotten him, which I don't put so much on him, but I'm like, what's his bench coach doing? Because you cannot let your manager do that. Um, and so that's, a him, that's a veteran. That's a veteran. That's a veteran. So I give him a C minus C because I really thought that Pedro on X's and O's was actually going to be better. I didn't think ever when I thinking who Pedro Grafal is from a baseball standpoint, you were going to be worried about the bench being depleted. That's like, that's, that's managing one-on-one. The bullpen stuff, anybody, everybody's going to get better eventually. And he can say inconsistencies and, you know, am I going analytical? Maybe I think he can argue saying TA was the heart of this team. I didn't want to move TA. So all those points are, are arguable. I'm not a huge fan of his press conference. Again, those are just press conferences just because he never really addresses it. I, I think that the, lead, the, the Grafal that we've seen that's been the best has been a little asshole Grafal when he snapped on Pantera and Pantera was better. So I'd rather, I'd rather see that side of him. The guy that's been arguing goes out and argues balls and strikes, like then try to be the nice guy. Oh, I'm here and the feelings. And it's like Rick, Rick Hahn's version uh, of the thing. It's just funny because I'm, I'm going to give you guys a real quick one. Griffal announces that Pantera won the all-star game that gets the bid. Beautiful moment for the kid. Bilingual manager, Pantera doesn't even know how, what the word high means, it seems. He looked like he was so lost, whatever Griffal was saying. Never addressed him in Spanish or the team. So if the guy's a Spanish speaker, go say in Spanish, hey, congratulations. You've overcome stuff. You got it. Okay, to the American guys, and then say that. Why do we have a bilingual manager? What's this whole thing about being bilingual when the guys are sitting there is like this? And this was this was on YouTube. Like, they, they filmed it. It's like, what was the whole point of having a bilingual manager? This guy's not going to use a bilingualness. So that's what you yeah. see. It's like, it's BS, what they're selling. So that's why at times I'm giving him a C-. I hope, I hope for dear God, okay, that he improves because if Grafal does not improve in the second half, and I'm not talking just about wins and losses. I'm talking about management of the lineup, meaning he decides to bench Colas. They bring Lenin Sosa up and he doesn't want to play him. And he starts making weird moves on that. Not get, he will get himself fired. Okay. Because I don't think, I know that he was Rick Hans guy. I don't know if he was Kenny Williams guy or Jerry Reinsdorf's guy. I'm just, I know he wasn't Jerry guy. No, no, I'm just saying that, but I don't know. No, but I'm not talking about Pedro. I'm talking about, let's take Ozzy out of the equation and older guys. Let's, out of all the young managers, there's, I know that they had other guys in mind. So like, I know that when it's not your guy, you might say, oh, this guy wasn't good. So he was oversold. So I think that uh, Rick Hahn needs him to be better. Okay. Because here's the thing, guys, Charlie Montoya was a big league manager. You fight her Pedro, put Charlie as a manager. You know, like, it's it's not that hard. It's like, you're fired, you're the manager. If you don't want to waste time, depending on what they want to do. So I think I'm not judging him now on the second half of the seasons on wins and losses. I'm starting to judge him now on how he handles his day-to-day and, like, how he's handling these these uh, these situations on the mount, on, 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 on bullpen management. It always seems like if a guy gives it up the night before, he brings up that guy in the same situation the next night so he can get himself out of it and, like, prove something to everybody. And that's not always the case because it has backfired on him. And and the situation, again, like depleting his bench and not having anyone, that's at times – that for me is a huge one. I'm, I'm, I, I judge him a lot. But I give him a C, C, C- minus at worst. Um, I think he might have cost maybe a few games. But I don't think – again, I don't think that this team is playing this bad because of like Pedro Grafal is just that horrible of a manager. But there are things that he needs to get better at. I think that's expected. For a first-year manager, 
If Ozzy was a manager, he should get fired for that. Ozzy, Bochi, Gardenhire, Sosha, Renteria, freaking Buck Showalter, Melvin, any of those guys are managing and they're playing like this, you fire them. They don't even get to they don't even get to the all-star game. Griffol, first year, he's got to do a whole year. Right. And like, because even if you go back to Tony Russa, even early on in the season, he was making some like, I guess you can say, you know, considerable or quite very questionable decisions with his pitching staff, but that's just because he was putting guys in spots to see where, where they're at in leverage situations and whatnot. But in his sake, as the season progressed, because he, you know, he, he definitely put them in those situations early on that he learned from them. And as the season progressed, you know, where to put guys at, whereas in a situation like what I just brought up with Joe Kelly, he just failed previously in the series in Oakland. And then you put him right back in that same spot. Like for me, we always discuss like against, who, against hit better hitters than the yeah. Oakland athletics. It, it wasn't like you were going from the athletics and then it was just like Cleveland or Detroit. No, you were going from fucking Ryan Noda to Vladdy Jr. Exactly. And previously we discussed That's a who's, big he going, who's he going to lean on in these situations. And I was really hoping that he would have realized the growth from Middleton and Santos to put those guys in those situations so, to see to, to allow them to prove themselves there to see if they're going to, you know, if you can lean on them. Um, I think it's a lot it would be more worth the shot to put those guys in that situation than it is for Joe Kelly to blow it up again, which he's done in previous series before. Um, but again, you know, Kelly's been, you know, hot and cold this year, but we've seen as of lately, I would have preferred Middleton and Santos in that situation. A question, a question for you. I know you're the pitching, you're the pitching guys. So how much money is Middleton and Santos making right now? Not, not seven million. That the, well, that's what I mean. Is. That's what I mean. Yeah. So the, the, what, what I'm getting to is that I think the White Sox, when you look at the positives, I think that they found two arms in Santos and in Middleton. That if you look at their production, don't don't look at the names. Just look at what they've been able to do. They've been able to compete with these guys that are making a lot of money. Okay, and again, in baseball, people are always going to try to trade for the bigger name when it comes to relievers. That's just the way the business is done. But the part, one of the things that surprises me about Pedro Grifol. Okay, which when I compare him to a manager that was in the same situation as him as a young first year manager was Ozzie Gian. Ozzie went for all the guys that he thought were going to help him in the years to come. So he would take a chance on a Santos or on a Middleton. And when they would ask him, why did this guy fail? Neil Cox, for example, why did this guy fail? It's like, well, I want him to become the guy. I'm, I'm trying to grow him. So then like, they cannot ask you a follow up question. Pedro seems to be doing the opposite. He's been managing more like a veteran manager, like Tony and, and Ozzy later on in his years and other managers where he's relying on the veteran guys. Like they're going to be here next year. So like, if you're going to compare who might get traded, the veteran guys probably won't be here because of money and they're probably more tradable than these young guys. So just like what Gonzo just said, at times I'm surprised where he has not gone to the younger arms when you're building them up and they're truly full guys like like if Pantera this year plays more than 100 games has his best year ever I give that credit to Pedro Griffol and his staff and the trainers there because that's his guy because he did it under his tutelage that's you got to give credit where credit due. so I don't know why he's relying so much on the older guys and guys are like veterans I'd be I'd be going for all the young guys like 
I'm here for three years. You guys want to rebuild next year, restructure? I'm all in, but I'm going in with my guys. He's really obsessed with the older guys, especially the older bullpen guys that are making a nice little moolah. And Santos and Middleton might be the most underrated pickups of the 2020-23 season because they've been – they're very good. But again, yeah. OJ, I feel like this is getting to politics over performance. And oh, to, me, to me, this gets down to Han setting up these guys to drive their value up to trade them, like you were kind of alluding to there. And we have a tweet about Han, too. And that brings us to Stone Pony Tweets. This is our well. I know this is Jay's favorite segment for Stone Pony tweets, and let's fire up uh, Han's tweet since we were just talking about Han by our good friend, friend of White Sox Twitter, Nick Morowski. He fired up a tweet on the Twitter, which was Han's quote from his um, the press conference from the media, and as you guys can read it for yourselves here on the screen. This is what Nick says here, reason to believe, left a long time ago. And that belief was in the parade. So, Junior, as we look at this, um, what can we really believe in? Because we've never seen this core group really go on a really hot run to end the year to make a run for the postseason. And, you know, with Hans Tencher here, all these guys had was a lead going into the postseason when they were good and it really blew out in the second half. It didn't really, it wasn't vice versa, which where we needed to go right now, which is going on a run. Um, for me, I personally believe that he's going to be sitting on his butt right now at the deadline. I don't think he's going to do much. Um, Cause I think his ego right now is ahead of him and he fully believes in this core that you put together and he's going to ride or ride and die on that stake. Um, what do you believe, uh, OJ? Well, I think that he's gonna. I think that he'll ride or die, and then because he's gonna get fired or kept eventually. So why not do it with your players? Okay. The big difference between him and Kenny Williams, when people brought up the 2004 break breakup of the team in the retooling, was that those guys were never Kenny Williams' guys. People forget that those guys were brought in by Ron Schuler. They're inherited by Kenny, so he really didn't have any 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 loyalty when it came to like I brought this guy, I drafted that guy. He kept the guys that he wanted, the guys that he actually had brought in through his minor league system, which was the original core. And then everybody else, AJ, Jermaine, those, those were his guys. He brought those guys in uh, with, with, a, with kind of like an idea of what Ozzy wanted because what Ozzy said, they had a meeting and he said, what do you need? And Ozzy said, I need a guy like this. I need a guy like that. Um, he took his notes. One guy, they had to go all the way to Japan to find him to fit the criteria of what they were looking for. But he, he basically found the guys. I, the only guy that Ozzy said bring this guy was, was Freddie Garcia uh, and Jose Contreras. But the other guys was 100% um, was him. So he's really good at doing that. The difference is that this is Rick Hahn's core. This is his baby. These are his kids. These are the guys that he drafted, signed, gave money to. So he's going to die with this core. And they always have the excuse of, well, they've always been hurt. That's a very dangerous excuse because it's not like they, they went into a postseason run and then got eliminated in the first round because their best three players had broken hands. Okay. 
Um, they haven't been able to go when you look at the games consecutively won. They've never been go- able to go on like on a 10, 12 game winning streak. They never have. Um, th- for some reason, they, they kind of just, they're, they're, they, they're a small win team. I, I was looking at a stat that in the year of 2020, of last season, if the White Sox would have not had those two losing streaks where they lost like seven and eight games and they would have been just 500, they would have won the division by like six games above yeah. 500 like that. So those stats make you worry. So I'm a, for, number one, I think that that stone pony tweet, it was actually one of the not as wild ones. This week was very, very wild on, on tweets in, in the, in the white Sox world. I think that that person who tweeted it is probably one of the more knowledgeable people and most uh, honest and direct. I think he's very even keel when he talks about that, but man, I don't blame it. You know why Gonzo, I can't say that I was one of those people, but I remember Rick Hahn having like uh, Rick Hahn, Chuck Garfine, McCuffey, Ryan, probably Slacko, our member was probably in those things too. When they have like the, the what do they call those? When they, the, 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 the community and people were talking, ask questions, and they all joked around that he had a Twitter account. You know, um, that, that to me, he was very upfront. And this is how I'm going to build it. And, and, and he talked to the fans and very swagger. And he had the the, the, the the cojones to say that he was going to go to a parade. Like, that's ballsy, man. Like, your team, your, your, your franchise won world, one World Series in 100 years. That's very ballsy to say. That's, you're, you're, you know, that's, that's a, so he's been very upfront when it comes to that. So I can see how people are tired of, the, like, the, the lies. Like, I, I made a joke. It says, it sounds like the president of the United States, like, you just say stuff and it's like, dude, you're, you're like, this is not what you're saying does not correlate to common sense. Like what you're saying, I Google it and I get the opposite. It's getting to that point where you're like, what are you talking about? Like, who are you talking about? Like, what do you, so, so you get stories and you say like, okay, Colson Montgomery is going to be ready next year. Okay. And then they're like, okay, he's going to be up. And I'm like, to play where you're not going to move TA. So like, they'll tell you half the story. So that's where I think fans are getting frustrated of like, this guy is full of, you know, uh, because he doesn't tell you the same thing. And it's like, he tries to be positive, 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 but I think people are getting tired of it. And that's where, I think that's where talking and being nice, is kind of backfires on you. Well, and, and another thing too, the one thing that uh, stands out for me with that quote is what the hell is going to happen between now and August 1st that's just going to magically make all of this fucking disappear, Rick Hahn. You've given me the same team for the last season and a half, they've shown nothing to inspire me to believe that improvement is coming. Like, think about this. You brought in a first-year manager in a situation to where you have World Series aspiration. That was backwards within itself. So now, all of a sudden, you're, you're sitting here in front of a microphone giving me the mystery date of wait till August 1st. Like we see the calendar, no shit. There's months turning on the calendar with you not gaining ground in a division that we were supposed to be in the bag. You remember NBC White Sox was tweeting out waiting for the rest of the Central to show up in an empty crib. That's going to be our trophy case, fucking empty. I'm going to be telling my nephew about that one time the White Sox won a World Series in 2005. I'm going to have to blow the dust off the DVD. Like OJ... You snapped when you said this could be a very real possibility where the White Sox could be trash, basuda, for a decade. That That's is what very I'm scared real. of. That, that is, is real. very real. 
That is very real. Okay, so in 1997, the white flag trade happens for a reason. Okay, they they decided at that time when Ron Schuler was there that if they did not blow it up that close to the division, that they could be stuck with guys like my father who were making a substantial amount of money and keep pieces for a very long time and watch this team get very, very old and start losing a lot of games. Okay, and just being under 500. If this team does not make the right moves, there's nothing worse than being 500. There's being under 500 and then having losing season after losing season because you did not prepare well enough in a season where you could have made trades. Let's let's take away let's take away the 2005 World Series. Okay, let's say in a scenario the White Sox choke in the World Series or the Divisional Series versus Anaheim. There's no drop third strike, there's no ball that goes through the legs. Kelvin Escobar is holding the ball when he tags Joe Creedy. The White Sox blow the series. After blowing game one, they get swept. Maybe pull one, one game, one victory. Anaheim advances. As a baseball person, do you not think that the, there was an improvement from an 04 to 05 on their roster? Because in 06, they won more games. They added another player in Jim Tomey. They moved some pieces. They won, they won just almost as many games, 90 games. So the team on paper got better. The other teams just got much better. They have an off year in, 2000, in, in 2007 with injuries, and they're back at it at 2008 competing. So that move that they made in 2004 gave the front office five, six, seven was injury. That's what you can say. Of injury. strong of competition. Str- of, four, of four years of strong competition when they could have ended it there, and then they still went for it, 9, 10, 11, and 12 for four more years. So for all of Ozzy's era, all of Ozzy's era was set up in the 04 season when they said, you know what, we need to change the. So right now, had, had the White Sox not made those moves, they might have stayed with Manlio and Carlos, and Ozzy might have been like, just like Jerry Manuel, right under 500, eliminated, maybe made one playoff, and he would have been fired in two or three years, and, and it would have been the next guy. But they made the right moves at the right time because it could get worse. So this, to me, right now, with the way the future is setting up and the way that the league is going around, dude, you don't have a catcher. Right now, you are calling every team that has a top prospect catcher, and you're saying, what do you want? Because your catcher situation is awful. Okay, right now, the catchers that they have brought in, all due respect to Seve Savala, all due respect to Carlos Perez, who's a Venezuelan, like myself and my family, they, the future is looks very dark at that position. Because you're not going to re-sign Grandal, and if you re-sign him, it better be for absolutely nothing because the value of him at the catching position is not what it used to be because of his injuries and whatnot. It'll just be all offensive. So you need to find someone there. So you need to use one of your prospects, prospects, big league ready guys, and bring somebody that can catch. Why? Dylan sees a nasty pitcher. He needs a good catcher. Michael Kopech is filthy and nasty. The nastier your staff is, the better of a defensive catcher that you need. Because if not, it doesn't it doesn't go. Ethan Katz cannot prepare these guys to be the most the nastiest pitchers in Major League Baseball, and then have me behind the plate like this, like scared of the ball. And like you're you're watching the game the other night, and Bummer, whose best pitch is a slider, is second guessing himself if he should throw it or not because he doesn't know if it's going to be blocked or not. And there's a runner on third saying, "I'm probably going to take home that." OJ. You can't do that. You can't do that. So it's crazy that you brought this up. The Giants brought up a catcher by the name of Patrick Bailey. Switch hitting, power hitting catcher. Um, 
been okay, decent offensively, been striking out a little bit, but whatever. Long story short, they didn't bring him up for his offensive skills. They brought him up to corral one of the nastiest pitching staffs in the National League. People don't understand. The Giants are above 500. They're above the Padres. They're above the Dodgers because they're starting pitching and their bullpen and lights out. And it's all because of Patrick Bailey being able to corral, call the staff. That shit is so important, It's bro. key. It's super important. In the game of analytics, they're talking about, oh, this guy's the best framer. Oh, really? How many blocks, block balls does he have? Yeah. Okay? How many guys, how many runners... Right now, the White Sox are the second team to get most stolen bases on until the Dodgers. You don't think the Dodgers are thinking, man, maybe we get a defensive catcher. We might have to make get one because that might that's what might take us to the next level. So I think that from a perspective of preparing yourself for the future, because I still think that if you take away pieces from this team, the team, I don't think that you get worse. I really don't because we've seen this team be injured so much throughout the last three years that there's been a 500 team with two or three or four guys missing. Yeah. They've never been together. Like, if it's Eloy's down, then TA's down. So, like, you could take away a piece, and they can still be competitive, meaning in this crappy division at 500, getting better. You cannot let the Sean Murphys of the world opportunities pass you by. Think about this, and I'm just going to lay this right on the table. The climax of the whole Raycon rebuild, the climax of it was when Brian Goodwin and Billy Hamilton was getting regular at-bats. Let that sink in. This was the best White Sox team in the middle of the summer with TLR managing and Brian Goodwin hitting walk-offs against but, but, Karen but Justin, what, why was it so Why was it so hard for them to, to keep Oscar Colas but sign a guy like Michael Conforto? Why was that so hard? Yeah. And say, we're going to have a backup plan, and if the kid goes off, I can either – I'll figure out what to do with Conforto. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. What, what, you, you can always have – right now – and White Sox fans, please don't cry. Don't don't cry about this. The Atlanta Braves are considering Tim Anderson to potentially be a backup player, just in case Orlando Arcia or Ozzy Alves goes down. He will get his at bats, but they're considering him because they're thinking if something happens down the line, we need a guy that can play the position and be able to go for it. Even when they have a shortstop who was an All Star and a starting and the best second baseman in MLB, they are in. They're considering a, a middle infielder to solidify their roster because they want somebody from the bench. They want to, They don't want to get somebody to get hurt and be like, where are we going to call up? Who are we? You can't do that. And that's where this team needs to get better at doing that. And fans need to let players develop. Okay? We're going – people were like, this is the Pantera I was promised. Dude played for a COVID year, 60 games, and then he got hurt two years, oh, in less oh, than 100 games. I got for you, OJ. We got some more tweets. Look at what King Mac just dropped on the TL. Oh, they, I saw we, this stuff. King Mac. Luis, hold on. Let me, let me read it <laughs> to the people, OJ. Uh, this is from your grace, King Mac. Uh, BGR. Okay. Luis Robert should always in, be in the same conversation as Trout, Soto, Betts, Harper, Acuna. The only thing that held him back was injuries, and the big difference between them and him is he doesn't take as many walks, but he has the same amount of talent definitely special you think he's biting off a little bit more than he could chew by the way it's been a first half let the season finish and then once the season finishes you got a guy on that list as a two-time mvp probably a hall of famer already his name is bryce harper bryce harper was in the freaking magazine sports illustrated like as a like a 10 year old playing like high school baseball that's bryce harper 
Okay, you got Soto. The guy just got offered. He turned down five hundred million dollars. Soto said no. I no Nationals, not my thing. And he went down. He's not even worth the four five hundred million dollars. Okay, you got guys on that list, and that's when it's crazy. Maybe Byron Buxton, and Byron's had done it for three or four years, and he's had injuries. But that's where those comments are nutty. The fact that you're throwing this young player in the midst of guys that are solidified. Hall of Famers. You can't do that, man. Like, you are going to put pressure on this guy. Like, let him develop. Let him... Eric Davis, an amazing player. Could have been Ken Griffey Jr. Injured his whole career. Ellis Burks, probably one of the baddest dudes in baseball. Injured his whole career. Kevin Mitchell. Go look up his numbers. Doing... Ooh, doing, a... doing... Doing... Having numbers for two or Greg three years. You, you need... Greg Vaughn. Like, you need... There's guys that have destroyed the ball in Major League Baseball but have not been able to stay healthy, okay? Health is a huge thing. What, how do we know that Pantera is not going to get unhealthy like Tim Anderson? Or do you think that cheating is it, – it, it's a mental thing. Let's talk about the mental. That's very easy to do. They're hot. They got money. That's very easy to do. So let's, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about injuries because I think Tim Anderson's issue is not a mental thing. I think the issue has been his knees. I also think that he worked with somebody in the offseason to give him some bad advice on hitting. He tried to get too cute. And he used to go find the old Tim Anderson when he knew nothing about analytics and just be Tim. Just see the ball, hit the ball. Don't forget about I pitch analytics. Just go be Tim Anderson. That's the best Tim Anderson. You see the ball, you hit the ball. The American version of Jose Ramirez. Just be Tim Anderson. He got too cute. And he's struggling this year. You don't think Pantera's going to go through something like that? It happens every two weeks. It, it happens. It's baseball. So you can't go out there and put pressure on these guys the way that do that right now, to be honest, the only two players that I wouldn't move today is Pantera and Dylan Cease, just because of the futuristic project. Oh, and Crochet. Those three I wouldn't move. Three guys that I'm like, these guys are untouchable. Ask for everyone else in my in my team. I'll, those are just my guys, just because I like those guys. And I think that their, their potential is just very high. And I think it's just they're way too young to give up on them. And they've been able to produce at an MLB level where you're like, oh my God, these guys can be very scary. Anybody else on the right in the right situation, I would consider making a move if it's going to make the team better. But I would not just go out flat and say, I'm not getting rid of so-and-so. I'm not getting rid of so-and-so. Because, and here's the part where, where, where Rick Renteria, uh, sorry, Rick Hahn really needs to look into his development. How sure are you that Colson Montgomery is going to be good? Okay, for example, in the middle infield position or Popeye or the other guys, because you get rid of T.A., and he goes somewhere else, and you don't have somebody to replace him with, it's not happening in free agency because Marcus Simeons cannot be cloned or Seager because they've all been signed. That, that's that's just, just – just, we, we, we did this a couple shows ago. So I think that that's where you need to be honest with yourself. And I, and I said Gonzo – Gonzo used a word, and that's something that really scares me because my father suffered from it, and I tell myself every single day – that's something I tell myself in the morning every single time. Bury my ego before I let my ego bury me. Ego is one of the most dangerous things in the game of baseball. I saw it take down Ozzie Guillen and Kenny Williams. When, when they used to work together, they were both geniuses just because they were so stuck in their ways and their egos were so big. Huge egos, both of them, that they couldn't come back to eye to eye to see. And your ego can bury you. It can happen to you as a player when you don't want to get help in a certain thing or in a certain aspect. It happens in your real life. The White Sox egos, them saying F everything, we're going to stick to the plan and it not work. Or we're not going to bring the right manager that we need because of 
stuff in the past, or we're not going to move away from Griffo and put, you know, so-and-so in, in a bench coach, because anything that your ego is getting in the way, this is when they need to bring in the whole organization and make sure that you're not making a decision or not making a decision based on ego because, oh, well, we traded Fernando Tatis for James Shields and look what happened. So we're not going to trade away, you know, uh, a Colson because he might become, you know, the next, you know, Derek Jeter, whatever. You got to be able to make the right decision at the right time when it happens, because if not, it could really be a detriment. And your ego is probably the, one of the most destructive things that I've seen in the game of baseball, let alone the game of life. And that's something that you need to be careful with. Mm. You know, as far as catching goes, before we move on, you drafted a guy in 2016 by the name of Zach Collins. Oh, God. Regardless of his development in this organization, you traded him away. You know, you didn't take a shot at him. No. And then when you could have took a shot at Sean Murphy several times, when are you going to correct that? You, you showed you couldn't draft it, and you showed you wouldn't go after it but through trade. I, I don't think you're going to go through it at free agency. You need to do something. Um, a guy like you just mentioned, Colson Montgomery, me personally, I'm trading him. I think you've got better value in your organization than him at shortstop and third base, actually. But I would trade him for value, equal value elsewhere in another organization. I've been mentioning Dalton rushing for over the past month and a half already. Go get that guy. I don't care what it takes. I really don't. I think I... Then again, I say that, but I, I probably don't trust this organization to complete that guy's development either because he's he's the Dodgers' futures game catcher. So he's he's just one step away, and I'm not sure if I even trust our guys to do that. But I still believe in that kid. Um, that's a guy I would like to go get. But you gotta you gotta find a way to do something because you got a lot of holes, and you gotta do whatever it takes to sell pieces to retool. Um, I need to figure this out because he put himself in this position. Justin, lead us to Southside Daily. Mm. This is, as you know, Southside Daily. We've got a doubleheader tomorrow because of the postponement of tonight. And you're likely going to have game one, Barreos versus Lance Lynn. And then game two, it's going to be Kikichi versus uh, whoever the minor league guy that is going to come up on the doubleheader. Um, I think that's what they're going to go with. And then they stay at home Friday through Sunday. Friday, Montgomery versus our boy Dylan Cease. Saturdays, Mikolas versus Giolito. And Sundays to be announced. But I think um, if I had to guess, it's going to be the bullpen game. I guess you can go bullpen game in game two tomorrow if you want, but I would hold off and uh, bring a rookie up like Sean Burke. And then in Sunday's game, throw a Tukey 
Toussaint to start that game to end it before the All-Star break. And then, um, yeah, when they come off the All-Star break next Friday, it's going to be a three-game series in Atlanta. But before we go off to the Atlanta series, Justin, let's look at at this uh, St. Louis club here Friday through Sunday at home. Your boy, uh, we like to call you Goldenado in some groups, but uh, mm-hmm. Nolan Arenado batting 280, 16 home runs, 57 ribbies, and then you got Donovan as well as a nice rookie on that club. They got a nice, they got a lot of nice. Nolan Gorman, Alec Bros, and they just got Dylan Carlson back. Um, Jordan Walker has been beating the shit out of baseballs. Um, Gonzo, I'm gonna be honest with you. This Cardinals series is gonna be the last nail in the coffin before the All Star break. I, I predict we're gonna get cream pie. We're gonna get oh. destroyed. Um, Pause. If are we the team? The, wait, wait. Are we the are the Sox a team that get the Cardinals back on the on the on the path? Yeah, to, the that, that's what I was about to say, OJ. Like oh, this series, this series for the Cardinals. This is the get back on track. The Cardinals are going to use the White Sox to springboard twenty wins in a row. Perhaps this is the get this is the get back series. Uh, that lineup is American League built, uh, power throughout, very versatile. It's amazing that they've been struggling so much. But if you look at their rotation, you could understand why. When Jordan Montgomery is your best pitcher on the staff, you're going to have some issues. Of course, when you don't have a bona fide closer, and you're using Giovanni Gallegos like a two dollar whore, you're gonna have issues. Don't forget, Not to mention Wilson Contreras is off to the worst three and three and a half months of his career. He's been hot lately, though. He's been hot. He lately. So, been. so, so I think the best thing that happened to the White Sox was this rain delay and playing two tomorrow because it's very hard to sweep two games, and they'll steal one game away from the from the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, because I w- I think that had they played tonight and then tomorrow, the- their chances of getting swept would have been that much crazier. And so with five games left, they have a chance to potentially go 42 and 50 or 37 and 55. Um, so being in between in there. Um, and I think one of the things for the Cardinals we got to see is that there's rumors that tonight, as we do this show, the Cardinals manager will be camped. Fired, bete, botado. He, I don't know who should, they're going to bring. He, he should be. He should be fired. He should be fired. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to bring Yadi from the back. That would be funny and crazy. Yadi to manage the rest of the season. Give him a shot. But you know what? I I like I like what uh what Gonzo was saying, and because you're talking about an American League lineup, and when Gonzo was talking about the bullpen day, I would love them to use one of those games against the Cardinals as an opportunity to use those arms that we're trying to see get tested, and give yeah. them a start. See, see what happens. You know, don't don't try to push those guys um, too much. So, so I really believe that. Um, Lose my number, Greg. So I, I I like the series. I I don't I don't know, man. I think for some reason I think that the White Sox are going to finish stronger uh, in this last part and make it really hard for Rick and the guys to make a decision. OJ, what would you say if I told you? Would you take a chance on a guy like Flaherty? I'm pitching. Yeah, would you trade for him? Uh, he's, been, he's been struggling with his control over there, but Ethan maybe Katz is, the, is Ethan Katz is what I, I I would I would call Ethan Katz, and I invite him to dinner, lunch, maybe because of the brunch, because we're in season, and I'm not going to take away his off day. I would have a one-on-one conversation with him. I'm talking. I'm Rick Hunt. 
and I and I would talk to Ethan and I say, hey man, give it to me for real on Flaherty. What do you think's up with him? Um, just because I know that it's happened a lot with Don Cooper. They wanted to trade for Strasburg. They wanted to trade for this guy. That's how Freddie Garcia got here. Jose Contreras. You know, you talk to the guy, you talk to your staff. And in this case, Flaherty has a relationship with Ethan Katz. He's a young arm. Okay. I think that you could trade him. My, you, I don't know what they're looking for, like for right now, but if you can flip for like a Lynn because they're going to go, whatever, or minor league guys. But if you can, it's going to be a minor league guy because he's on. He's a he's an unrestricted free agent next year. So he's gonna so, be a rental. So just give him Brian rental. Ramos and just bring him to the club. Well, so so hey, he's hey. a rental. So here's the part where I where I find it interesting. Ethan Katz, number two. I always think that the best way to convince a guy is to have him in your team. Okay. Mm. That also could be the worst thing, but you can have him in the culture. Hey, bring it here. If Lucas Giolito is in your plans, man. You try to your plan becomes Cease, Giolito, Flaherty, Kopech, Clevenger. You can fix Flaherty. Damn. And they just have to be 500. They don't have to even just go off the rails and just let Cease. I think that you can fix your pitching problem. And that's where the White Sox are like weird at right now. They they have, I think that they're closer to being like pitching elite than being hitting elite. So they need to do something about the pitching situation. Are they going to sign Jolito? Who are they going to get rid of? So Flaherty becomes that interesting. I, I like Flaherty personally, but I like that connection to Ethan Katz. And, and I really, really like Flaherty. And I think you have a better chance of landing him now and extending him than you. And again, how close is Ethan Katz to Flaherty? Hey, try to trade and sign. What are you looking for? Make me, you know, pull the strings. I know for a fact I was on the phone with, with Freddie Garcia. Trade and sign, what do you want? His agent hated it, but I, I we knew exactly what, he, what it was going to take. And Rick Khan said we can afford him. And so, yeah. so so from that sense, so you can use those. That's when you use those traffic, the, the influence. But I like him because the Ethan Katz connection, I think that his velocity is on. I think that he might just need a change of scenario. And he solidifies your pitching staff. Out of all the names that are out there, I think he's one of the better ones. I, I like the Flaherty one. But do, you don't think the Cardinal way is a a better situation than the, the Chicago White Sox? Would, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Cardinals are in total. I don't know. That, yeah, I don't think what the I don't know what the Cardinals are trying to do. So, like, if they're trying to maybe get a piece of the future, if I was the Cardinals, I'm trying to fix him and keep him and try to go for it. I'm, I'm the Cardinals. I'm trying to keep him. And if I'm the Cardinals, I'm trying to trade for Lance Lynn. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm trying to trade for Lucas Giolito. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm doing the opposite because I got the guys there for the long run. I got Nolan Ronaldo. I got Paul Goldschmidt. You've already guys... called up Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman, so ain't no turning yeah, back. Now. Yeah, there ain't no turning back. The, the the you fire your manager and you ride that you you know you ride that that and, and that that division's weak. And when you look at that lineup, they've done it before. They've gone on crazy runs. They've played in the playoffs. And then they've you got the think about it too. It uh, is losing. Uh, Jack Flaherty, like they're looking to make a sustained run. What if he's a part of their plans to make that no. run? So I would like it to be the White Sox to get him, but I'll be 100 with you. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm calling the White Sox to get their bullpen pieces 
and yeah. to get a starting piece. So I, I would do the opposite. I try to get Lucas Jolito there and maybe the bring Cardinals the bullpen guys. Kenyon Middleton. I ain't yeah, yeah. I would trade. And then here's the White Sox. Who is the top prospect catcher in the Cardinals organization? He's oh. in the package. I'm just, whoever's the top guy, I'm bringing him. Their top guy could be the fiftieth guy on their list. I'm bringing him, <laughs> and I give him a shot, dude. They never gave Zach Collins a shot in the White Sox. Sevi Savala has played more consistent than Zach Collins. Sevi Savala is a Hall of Famer. What is Zach Collins? But I'm just saying, though, like what, that, that makes no sense. Like you drafted, for example, when they traded for the guy from the Braves, uh, what's his name? Ozzy was a manager. He was a top prospect for the Braves. He was supposed to be AJ's uh, Jordan uh, replacement. Shaper. No, no, the catcher, the catcher. No, not Tyler Jordan. Flowers. Not Tyler, Tyler Flowers. He was traded, him and Brent Littlebridge were traded as a future shortstop and the future catcher of the future. There were there were a lot of things, not not either of those things. But Tyler got a shot. And he played a couple years in the big leagues as an everyday catcher. But he got a like a legit shot. And they they moved away from AJ, and that was the catcher because they made a move for him, a very big move. And but he got a shot. We never saw that with with Collins. So when you bring your prospects up, you have to give them a shot in order to proceed to see that what they have, because the guys that they've brought in, in the catching position, even to fix it, they've never been solid for the future. So I would, any, any team that I'm trading with, I'm looking at the catching position, to be honest, I really am. I'm not looking at first base. I'm not looking at third base. I'm not looking at a corner outfield. I'm not looking at any of that. I'm looking at catcher. Like I'm looking at specific roles of what could be helped. A middle infielder that could play short or second, future shortstop. I'm not looking at another lefty batter power guy that has can't play either first or right. I'm not doing that. Now, before we go on to our picks, White Sox come out come out of the all-star break in a three-game series in Atlanta. Justin, I don't know what the starting matchups are going to be for that three-game series, but we know that they're going to go up against Acuna, who's betting 337, 414, 594 for a slash nine. Olsen's 248, 28 home runs, 68 ribbies. This is going to be a home run fest um, in Atlanta, and um, I don't know how Han can go in that press conference today say we're going to go on a run and we're starting in, in Atlanta. <laughs> like, he forgot. He didn't know it was Atlanta, Gonzo. <laughs> By the way, Atlanta, I just watched Atlanta play the Tribe. Oh, that's, a, that's a juggernaut. By the way, they have yeah. everyone in the All-Star game is either on the Braves now in the starting infield or were on the Braves in the last three years. The White Sox wanted to be the Braves. That's what we were promised. And But they are not even the little brother of the Braves. The Braves are a juggernaut. Like, they already won one World Series. They might never win another one again. But in season... They are the epitome of OMG. They have built a powerhouse. So that's a very scary series. Hopefully they win one game. So, Justin, tell us about Michael Harris. Uh, well, a 5 tool player, one of the most dynamic outfielders in the game. And uh, I'm going to take it a step further, Gonzo. We're catching him at his peak performance of the season. He's been absolutely on fucking fire. My co-host for BGR, uh, Shy9, he has him in fantasy and has been terrorizing the league, reminding us every day that Michael Harris is a spectacular. Is he the fielder. best? Is he the best black player in baseball now? No, Mookie Betts is still alive and well. Oh, you don't think Michael Harris is better than Mookie right now? Hell no. Okay, okay. No, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, say that for another time. What about but, De La Cruz? No, he's not black. Yeah, he don't count. 
He's Hispanic. <laughs> so let me tell you something, Gonzo. If you ever reference anybody with the last name Dela Cruz is black again, we're going to send some paperwork to your residence. Well, now, you should probably send it to Elise. I am a delusional White Sox fan, so apparently since I said we're going to get cream pied by the Cardinals in typical Justin Lee fashion, we're going to take two out of three from Atlanta in the chop house. And I'll tell you why I'm going to give you a list of names. AJ Venter, Kirby Yates, Nick Anderson, Rice Iglesias, fucking, uh, Colin McHugh, the bullpen for the, the Atlanta Braves have been absolutely abysmal. They've been having a tougher time than the Cardinals trying to figure out the seventh, eighth and ninth. I feel like with all stars, like, uh, Zach Rimillard and future Hall of Famers Oscar Colas we could do some damage we just gotta make sure we get to that part of the Braves because even look at the rotation with Soroka coming back he's been throwing BP there is no Max Freed okay all they have is probably Bryce Elder and the ghost of Jesse Chavez but I don't even know if he's off the IL the pitching of the Braves is is very uh, vulnerable are you, right are now. you telling me that we're going to see a Dylan Cease versus Spencer Strider matchup? Hopefully Spencer it's not Strider, like that. Spencer Strider has been one of the worst starting pitchers in the league. Uh, <laughs> so, Is that I mean, the guy with the legs? That's the leg guy, right? Yeah. He stole his mustache. Quad, uh, his nickname is Quadzilla. Dude, he's 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 like he's like what Dylan Cease would look like on steroids. <laughs> Probably is on steroids. But uh, are, by the way, with those legs, trust me, I'd be testing him. I'd be We're taking two out of three from Atlanta. All right. Well, you know what? I is... like that, Justin. That's not crazy. I like uh, real quick. I like it because they're playing Atlanta right off the All Star break, so they, those guys might be like still in vacation mode. So... Yeah. Well, on that half, we are going to our picks of the week, which. <laughs> I'm not going to let you do it. Like, for all the listeners out there, before we cut to the graphic, Gonzo was going to say, let, before we get to the pick to click, which I won. <laughs> I, I know how that movie was going to go. I actually was going to say I won. I just totally forgot we had a graphic for picks to the week. But thanks, Jay. Thanks for cutting me off. <laughs> I wasn't ready for my own animation. I was scared. I even forgot what I was going to say because you cut me off. So, since you cut me off, yes, Justin, I won. Hi, mom. <laughs> Eloy won. Oh, going he, 10 this for game, by the way, this, this game is called the I win. Gons was like, I win. I win. <laughs> this is my, my daughter. What are we playing? I win. I win. Every time we play, she wins. You guys are laughing at me because I was creeping up on y'all in the standings. And now I'm ahead, Slav. I hope you're yeah. watching because you're, like the, your you're like the Cardinals. He's the Cardinals. Yep. Eloy had eight ribbies and two home runs last week. Wow. And I think that's what I was going to say when you cut me off. I was going to say, which we have eight games this week because we got, um, let's see, we got two tomorrow, 
three. We have five games here going before the All-Star break, and then we have three games coming off of it. So eight total because the following show, the next show is going to be the Tuesday when we come back from after the All-Star break. So, um, yeah, we have eight games for these picks. And um, my pick, since Eloy is off the board, I'm going to go with the man that is – washing his lumber as he hits bombs. I'm going with what? the home run. I'm going with the home run king at the Derby. He's probably just going to make it to the second round because he's going to beat Adley. But, uh, yeah, I'm going with La Pantera. Junior, you are on the clock. Wait, you're going with La Pantera? Yes. Oh, man, you took my guy. I know. Um. I'm going to go with, uh, man, in that case, you know what? I'm going to go with Benny. Okay. I'm going to go with Benny again. All right. That's good because Benny's been, he's been on a roll lately. Yeah, no, he's been, he's been good. Um, Give me a second. I'm trying to look at Slav's. What was his first selection again? Let's look back here. Sheesh. He almost um, won the Slav, Tim Anderson one. Slav is going. Yeah, I know. He was a foul ball away from um, winning the click with that almost. He sounds like slam. he sound like Bartman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Slavko goes with Tim Anderson. That was his first selection. So, um, Justin, are you going to end this with a winning pick? You are uh, on the well, clock. I am gonna follow in Slavko's footsteps, and I am gonna pick a black man as my pick to click. Uh, I'm going Kenya Middleton, and I'm telling you right now, if he gives if he gives the White Sox three holds out of this eight game stretch, I automatically win. Okay. What? That's By the it. way, it's not gonna happen because we're full one put him, so to do three holds. Jay, are you trying to become last place? Oh, yeah. What are you, you trying to take? the best he, players available. He, th- he thinks he takes a draft pick. He thinks he gets a draft pick. <laughs> Jay, what are you, what's your purpose in picks to click? I thought you're, when you said black, you're going to hit me with, like, I don't know. TA? No. I can't even say Colas because you're going to tell me he doesn't count. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's, so he's Latino. You want me to pick Daryl Boston? <laughs> Might as well. With Middleton with three holds. Don't holds. worry about that. When's the last yeah. time he had three holds? Don't worry about it. He knows something we don't know. Went deep. Good point. So, chat, the picks are up on the board. You're seriously going with Middleton. It's already typed and written up. <laughs> then you're going to say that. <laughs> Our picks are I'm going with La Pantera. OJ is going with Benny. Slav is going with T.A. Jay? I want to predict the Salas Pantera when he goes in the home run derby. What do you, what, where do you guys think he goes? What place? Jay's picking Middleton. Um, uh, yeah, Fit. I think. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think fifth, too. I think he gets a first run out. How many people are running competing? Six? Um, no, like 12. No, there's eight, right? I don't know, man. Yeah, eight guys. There's eight but guys. he could beat he could beat Adley Rutschman though. That's what I'm saying. I think I think he's coming out of that bracket. 
on the left side. I'm trying to remember who after he beats Ali, who he goes up against. Oh, Julio. I think he goes up against Julio and then beats Julio out. I want to see. I want to see Luis Robert and Adolis Garcia go at it. Yeah, that'd be great. I know MLB won't be rooting for Adley Rutschman. The epitome of no swagger. So, <clears throat> what else, guys? Anything else you want to end the show on? Um, well, I'm going to tell you guys right now, if you guys are true White Sox fans and you really believe in your team because you can think they're going to go all the way, the White Sox plus 1,600, 1,600 to win, be the division winners. And then if you really think that they're that good, you are going to bet that they're going to win the league. 10,000 plus 10,000. You can bet right now. So if you bet that they're going to win the league, you put is a there, measly $10, you can win $1,000. Is there any all-star game odds right now for home run derby? Um, Let me see. MLB player specials. No, I don't see anything all-star game related right now. Probably they're going to wait. Probably too, not far enough. Um, But the, the, the divisional leader right now, the White Sox, if you are Rick Hahn, you are putting money. It's plus 1,600. You bet 10, you win 160. You bet 100, you bet you win $1,600. I don't think I'm taking the White Sox, but I am taking the Cardinals bet. I'm taking the Cardinals at plus 1,300 and plus 4,000. And real quick, guys, you have any shout-outs before we uh, end this broadcast? Shout-out to my guy, Gabe. Woo-hoo, I saw that he was on earlier. Much love. Yes, we, Gabe, Gabe was with us here in the chat. And also, let's give a shout-out to Mike Martin, who's been with us for the night as well. Thanks for watching, Mike. Justin, you have any shout-outs for the evening? Uh, I want to give a shout-out to you guys, my Blackout crew. You guys helped me get through this fucking lousy season without me crying and shitting all over myself. Uh, it's been an honor to work with you guys in our rookie year. Uh, hopefully... There's a lot more to come. Uh, I don't care what you say, OJ. We're going to get on the mic and talk about this team, even if they're under 500 for a decade. Um, shout out to Bad Guy Radio, other uh, podcast platform that listens to me complain about this damn team. But ultimately, been to a, uh, I went to the Red Sox game last week with Asia. Then we followed it up with going to see the squad against the Blue Jays this week. It's still uh, a beautiful game to watch at the ballpark even though the team is shitty see a lot of good players from the american league i'm having a great time even with the white Sox are trying to ruin my life they still find ways to take up some of my time and most of my money very fair now my shout out is going to go to soraya um who's always sponsoring me every single episode and shout out to you oj and you justin um, I think you said rightfully, Justin, this is a great way to begin the first half of our rookie season with more to come. I know we've had on not only OJ's father and senior, but we had on pods back in episode 14 and we have more guests to come as we go into the second half. So I am Gonzo to my left or right, depending on your perspective is Justin Lee and to his other side is Ozzie Guillen Jr. 
And we are missing our other boy, Slav Gobo. He'll be back with us after the break. And if you haven't already, go and like, subscribe, follow the Gian Grid on YouTube or Blackout Show Shy on both Twitter and Instagram. Blackout Show on Facebook. Then go and hit up our Spotify for Blackout Show or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts streaming services this is episode 17 of the blackout goodbye south side beep beep